Welcome to Eye of the Swarm, your deep dive look into anything and everything Yellow Jacket Athletics. And after uh, about a month hiatus, the Big Sound, Matt Johnson, I'm John Garvin. We're very happy to be back with you, not from the campus of the University of Wisconsin-Superior this time. I guess we're kind of in the Batcave. Yeah, <laughs> your own personal Batcave, as it turns out. We can call it the Batcave so people don't know where we are, but... Uh, uh, we very much appreciate Paul Danberg and the staff at KWS setting us up with a remote setup that allows us to uh, sit down and finally have a conversation after a month, Matt. And uh, boy, has the the landscape, I'm not even going to say the sports landscape, just the landscape. Wow, have things changed. I've never uh, lived through something like this. I was working at the, the closest I can come to is 9-11. I had just gotten hired by the Ashland Daily Press, and uh, I was working the day that 9-11 took place. Um, and that was a very, very, as far as a one day scenario, that was very, very surreal. That was probably the most surreal experience that I've been through, but this has been surreal on a different level. That one was very intense. This one has been a drawn out kind of surreal sense. Um, and it's amazing how things have developed, um, and how quickly our world has changed specifically. I mean, the entire world has changed. Don't get us wrong. I mean, we all know about the stay at home orders and so on and so forth, uh, keeping up with the tallies and, you know, Pay attention to local government uh, and what the federal government is telling you if you so choose. But um, it's amazing how things are unfolding here. And being a relative of two healthcare workers, including one that was working on the front lines, this is this is very unsettling. And that's a polite way of saying no one really knows what's happening um, because this is you know when they say novel coronavirus, novel means it's new. Novel means they don't know completely what they need to know in order to effectively combat this all the way yet. And that's scary because this virus right now is ticking at about 5% mortality rate in this country, which is really high for any virus. I mean, it doesn't sound like a lot, but trust me, it is. And so... Well, I mean, 5% of 330 million is a big number. Yeah, it is. And, you know, and the best way I can describe it is if you wanted to get 100 people together and say, you, each of you get coronavirus. You each have been diagnosed. Which five of you wants to die? Because according to the numbers, five of you will. So pick them out. You know, if I got 100 people in a room. Right. You know, now it doesn't sound so funny anymore, does it? Right. You know, or it doesn't sound like such a great percentage, does it? So, um, yeah, I mean, it's a very uncertain time. And the way that things got shut down so quickly and the domino effect just, I think, just sent everybody and everybody's head spinning. I mean, it did for me, and I know it did for you, too. No, absolutely it did, and I, we, we, I wrote a story about this in the, in the Champions Cup quarterly that came out this week. Uh, it's on the website, uwsyellowjackets.com. Feel free to page through that publication. It's but, really good, by the way. Thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah. But uh, I, I wrote a little bit about that sort of, I guess, in timeline mode because I, I remember, okay, all this is unfolding and, and all that, all right, but it's, it's not really make it a mark yet and then you start to get some emails from the schools that we would be playing on the spring trips for baseball and softball and tennis and you're going okay now a couple of those have dropped out but we still have most of them were okay okay now a couple more have dropped out oh the nba is shutting down that was kind of and that was sort of the that was the the spot the when the spotlight shot up into the sky that was the one you know it was kind of in the sports world rudy gobert is kind of patient zero yeah um, you know, he was the first, and then the dominoes really fell quickly. Yeah, the NHL followed suit. MLB, I think, was the next day they said it. Uh, MLS quickly followed. And I was still of the mind of the NCAA is going to hold out on this one as long as they can well, because March Madness is in play right. here. And well, some of the other tournaments had already started, too. Right. Division two was getting ready to start. Yep. Division three was to their Sweet 16 stage. Right. So there were other things happening by then. And so the NCAA had a really tough gig. I know the NCAA caught a lot of flack for, especially from the uh, talking heads uh, nationally, right? For not reacting quickly. But the NCAA, I get the feeling, was really considering everything at that time. Not just, I think basketball was out the window pretty much immediately, but they weren't sure about spring. And I think they wanted to do it all in one big announcement. Yeah. And so they were trying to figure out the logistics of that and whether continuing on made sense. And clearly it didn't. Right. And I, I think part of that too is it's they were kind of forced to 
paint the entire nation with one brush. And yeah. Division One is very different from Division Two, and is very different from Division Three. Two is different than three. Three is different than one. I mean, any way you want to look at that. Right. And they had to treat all of them the same. And there really is no good answer. You mentioned Division Three, basketballs in the Sweet Sixteen. The uh, Division Two wrestling nationals were in progress or was it right. swimming and diving the, the meat was happening right as yeah. they were making that decision the track and field indoor championships were set to begin the next day so right. it was there's a lot happening there, there and you're trying to decide okay do we get through this coming weekend and let these championships that are in progress already take part or, or do we just close the window yeah and, and that's a tough call because it, you've got so many moving parts you really do and uh they they chose to not only close the window, but close the window and pull the blinds, too. I mean, it right. was... Well, there were different things that happened, and I, you and I talked about this, and I'm not going to go too off on a tangent, but uh, the UMD women's basketball team was literally on their way to Missouri for the NCAA tournament. They had started practice when it got canceled, so they literally drove to Missouri and drove back right? because they were getting ready for their first-round NCAA tournament game. The University of Minnesota softball team was in Hawaii. Actually, had played a game the day before, mm-hmm. and they got the news that they were supposed to fly back from Hawaii the last minute. Right. Those are just two examples locally, somewhat locally, of what was going on that well, I'm aware of. C.J. Pillith was at the indoor championships. Yeah. He was supposed to start competing the next day. Right, exactly. And, yeah. you know, his coach, Glenn Drexler, has to walk in and say, this isn't going to happen. Yeah. This isn't going to happen. Right. So we're going to, we'll be here tonight, and we're going to make some arrangements to, to fly back home tomorrow, but this isn't going to happen. I mean. Devastating. Oh, what 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 a punch to the gut! Yeah, what yeah. an absolute punch to the gut. So I, I, I feel horribly for for the athletes who had to sit and and watch Words fail and watch all this unfold and and you know just yeah yeah words fail. Yeah, I mean and even I, now this this happened over a month ago, Matt. Oh yeah, even now words fail. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I something that we talked about with our guest. A little plug for our, the next segment here, but. Um, sometimes words fail. The English language is not uh, up to the task of, ex- of de- expressing what's actually happening and how everyone is feeling. And this is one of those times because there's nothing there that indicates that anything should be stopped at all. You know, you didn't lose your last game. You didn't get knocked out of the tournament by anybody. You know, no one outperformed you. Therefore it's over. Yeah. This you, is just simply you didn't someone blow out your knee. It was, yeah. yeah. You didn't get injured. Yours not over because of an injury. You're done because of, circumstances that are way beyond your control right something that is happening nationally and yeah there are things that are bigger than sports and that sounds trite but it's the truth right sports is you know not life real life stepped in in this case and it puts everything to a close and i think eventually what happened you know with with the state shutdowns and all this kind of stuff i mean the effects of this across the board are going to be far-reaching and we will not recover for a long time right you know um, you know, as we record this, of course, we've got millions and millions of Americans who are unemployed. Um, you know, I don't know what the percentages is. I haven't looked yet. Um, you know, the, the economy is tanked. We've had to artificially inflate the economy just to keep the stock market moving somewhat in the right direction. But now we're getting another, you know, case oil dropped out and that's another completely. Result. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, tra- now negative. it's trading at a negative, right? That's and, never happened since they started doing that in 1983. Exactly. So now gas stations across the country are going to go, what are we supposed to do now? Right. What's going to happen here? So, I mean, it's a cascading effect right now. And I know there's a lot of anticipation about opening the states and and opening the economy and stuff. But because of the uncertainty that's going on here, it's going to be really, 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 really tough. Yeah. And it's going to have to be done extremely precisely Mm -hmm. and extremely, extremely carefully. And I can't say that enough. Like I said, I have two healthcare workers in my family, another one who's married into the family. The two of them are working on the front lines right now. And I will be the first to tell you that based on what they've told me and the conversations I've had with them, this needs to be done extremely cautiously. Right. And because of that, it's 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 a tough spot. I mean, I'm glad I'm not in the position to have to make any decisions regarding that. No, me, I'm the same way. I'm, I'm glad I... I can hole up in my basement because we were on the, the work-from-home order. We're telecommuting on here at UW-Superior. And, you know, I'm fortunate, one, I still have a job yeah. um, because we've watched, you know, tens of millions of people have to file for unemployment because they lost their jobs. And, you know, there's still a lot of uncertainty that way, too, because we don't know what's down the road. You, you likened it a little bit to 9-11, but there was 
you know, that had a shelf life and, yeah. and life was going to, was going to come back. It was going to be different, but it was going to come back. And we knew when that was going to happen, but there is no expiration date no. on this right now. And exactly. we, we don't know. Yeah. So I could be working out of my basement for a year. Yeah. Who knows? We have no idea. There's no fixed date here. No. And viruses, of course, don't recognize fixed dates. Right. They don't recognize state boundaries. They don't recognize international boundaries. They go wherever they need to go to continue to survive. Yep. And that's the problem here. You've got a hyper-contagious virus that has flu-like symptoms that is ticking along right now about 50 times deadlier than influenza does by the numbers. And that's a real scary proposition. It is. People are already starting to talk about how we're going to reopen our businesses. How are we going to get back to life as as normal? Well, the the long term answer is a vaccine. But there again, those take go- eighteen to twenty four months to yeah exactly to develop. Yeah, that's scary. Exactly because they have to go through clinical trials before the FDA can approve them. And so, and that's the way it has to be done that way. There's no way you can speed up a vaccine process. You know, I mean, there are several steps that they have to follow in order to get a viable vaccine. And I actually talked, you know, talking about the overall sense of anxiety that's happening right now. I talked with my aunt who is in her late 80s, and she's, of course, holed up in her condo back in the Twin Cities and everything else. And I said, have you ever experienced anything like this? And she said the closest was the polio scares right, of the 40s and 50s. Yep. Um, she's like, you know, it, those were scary times, you know, where you had whole communities that were under quarantine. Um, she said, but even with the polio situation, she said, we didn't shut down anything. I mean, you know, like the entire economy did not shut down because of polio. Um, polio to me is a little bit scarier than coronavirus just long-term because even if you recover from polio, there's generally speaking, you're going to have some neurological damage. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's the closest thing that she can recall. And she said, and that was happening when I was a kid. Yeah. So that's the closest thing she. So this is truly historical, mm-hmm. you know, in in perspective. Um, as we sit here, there are between forty two thousand and forty three thousand Americans who have lost their lives to this, and we're coming upon now nearly, probably within the next f- couple of weeks here, we're going to have over a million cases, domestically, of coronavirus, which is just it, it blows your mind when you think about those numbers, right? And um, like I said, I mean, I am, am I freaked out by it? No. But at the same time, I recognize the severity of it, yes. and that this is a this is a major crisis, and you know, we just need as a society, and I'll get off my soapbox here in a second. Needs need to be flexible and willing to you know accept that things are not going to be anywhere close to what we consider normal for probably the foreseeable future. Right. You know. Yeah. And I don't know what your you know how, what the experience has been like for you, but as I watch these numbers come in, and I and I watch. Governor Walls in Minnesota and Governor Evers in, in Wisconsin talk, and I and I see the press conferences out of Washington D.C. every day. That's that's just the reality, right? That's just where we are, mm-hmm. and there's nothing anybody can do about it. No, and the the big the big word here is uncertainty, right? And that's that, the word, and that's kind of how I feel about it. It's just uh, there's nothing I can do, right? I'm not a medical professional. I'm not a politician. There's nothing I can do except stay home in my bunker. And do my job from my basement like I've been doing right, for the last yeah. six weeks. Make sure I take every precaution possible to keep myself, my wife, and my son healthy. Right. And try to find something to watch on TV. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> because, right. you know, the, the, there is a, you know, we were talking about it briefly before we went on the air, Matt, and I, I don't want to make light of this, but there is a lighter side to this. And to watching television that I, if it wasn't live sports, I probably, for the most part, didn't watch it. What in the world am I supposed to watch now? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I find myself watching all kinds of weird things. Um, I've been streaming a lot, which I never used to do. Mm-hmm. Sit on my computer and just stream things. Um, you know, I get my workouts in because I do have a bike, a exercise bike at my house. Yeah, I purchased one as well. Yeah. Thank you very much, Chris Bell <laughs> at Impact Bell's Sports Training. Through, huh? He did. He, he was getting some new inventory, so he liquidated his old bikes and... You know, I, I hopped on one and have it out in the garage. And but I'll be honest, without those workouts, I'd be climbing the walls right now. Yeah. I'd be out of my mind. No, I, I, I'm i the same way. I actually came in last night. I, I worked out last evening. I came in, I looked at my wife and said, you know, the, the former athlete in me loves it. Yeah. You know, I like getting a good sweat in and, and all that, and I love it. And the old man in me can't stand it because <laughs> I am so sick of having to work that hard. I know. You know, to, to stay 
in any kind of shape and keep, kind of and keep any yeah. kind of sanity. I mean, it's a bit of a stress reliever. It's a, you know, it's a lot of different things for me, but there's just times where it's like, oh God, I have well, to go and out see, there Well, and see, right again. now, this is where our, our normal spring pattern here, where it's, you know, it gets warm quick, right? We get into the 30s and 40s really quick and things start to melt and we go, yay, everything's great. Yep. And then it just stays there for another month and a half yes. while it progressively gets warmer in other parts of the country. We, we stay, stay in 40s. Yeah, we stay in the 40s. And so... I would love to be able to go outside and take a long walk yep. and be comfortable. But the fact of the matter is, if I go for 20 minutes, I'm frozen. Yeah. Now i got to come back in. No, we, we, we try to get out and, yeah. and take Teddy for a walk, you know, a few times a week just to get some air and get him in the stroller and everything. And, you know, it's like last week I had him out. I think it was, a mo- it was Monday. And the wind was so strong that for part of the walk, I had to put him behind me and pull him. Because right. I didn't want him facing into that wind. Oh, right, yeah. You know, and it's like, my goodness. This, uh, this is where I get My, my good friend Chad Pink, you know, I, God love him. He's down in Florida, and he always posts his pictures about, you know, <laughs> about what's happening down there and the temperatures and all that. And he's always said, it's not the winters that, he's a superior native, it's not the winters that drove me out of that place. It's the spring. Yeah. Because you, you have... Two and a half to three months where the temperature is stuck between 20 and 40. Yep. And the wind is always howling off of the lake at that time. It doesn't quite got to the point where it can swing back around from the the west or the southwest and give you some warm air. It's all howling off the water, which is cold. Right. And it just makes for a miserable place to have a spring. It does. I mean, it's pretty outside. I, you know, my condo is in a location that is particularly nice. Um, very scenic area, you know, Lester River's right there and so on and so forth. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I walked to my local Super 1 the other day. It's about a block and a half away, and I froze. And I was going over there just to pick up some essentials. Right. I wasn't picking up anything big. But it's cold. I mean, the sun is out, and it's shining, and thank goodness for that. But, wow, I mean, it's not nice out right now, which is only adding to the fact that, we're all stuck in this kind of netherworld right now where right. nothing is happening. No one's lives are, I mean, I even checked my banking account and they're the, even the, the companies I send my checks to that I pay my bills to, they're not cashing them on time. Right. Because they've cut their staff so much that nothing is getting cash on time. Yep. Things like that. Everything you know, is I mean, moving it, slower. Yeah, everything is moving much slower. And, it, it, you know, it's there isn't one avenue of life that it's not touching. Right. And that's probably the hardest part. There's no escape from it. Mm-hmm. Your only escape is to go outside and go for a walk and forget about it for a while. Right. And it's too cold to really go out for a real long time. So you're forced back inside. And now you're back to, you know, in my case, drinking a lot of tea, watching a lot of uh, streaming video quality and, you know, watching old episodes of Star Trek Next Generation. I mean, that's, <laughs> this, this is where, you know, this is where we are. This is just simply where we are, you know, and it's tough. And I know that you've got work to do, but... I know that uh, working up from your from your basement on your laptop is making you nuts because you and I have talked about it. Yeah, there's times there's times where you just sit there and go, "Gosh, I wish I could go to the office. I wish I could work from the office today." But you know, that's not the reality. Anyway, we know this we're a, we're a sports show typically, so uh, they're they're the the bulk of the next segment when we have Nick Bursick on is going to be to talk about what happened sports wise because all of a sudden the season just stopped as we touched on a little bit earlier he'll do a little bit of a deeper dive into that and there is the uncertainty about not knowing where the the seasons are going to go whether it's the the fall season winter sports if it's all going to get piled into next spring there's a whole bunch of different places we can go on that but you know there were there were a couple little sports nuggets that have come out here somewhat recently um you know Eva Reinertsen who was a guest on our show she is now a two-time Cosida academic all-american this time bringing in a uh, first team honor so one of the uh the finer people that's ever walked the hallway at the markovich wellness center gets a really great reward yeah i'm uh, so happy for her she deserves it uh i've been around you all jacket athletics now for going on a decade you've been around it much longer than that and i think i speak for both of us safely by saying that she's one of the very chosen few uh to ever have suited up in a yellow jacket jersey in any sport um I can't say enough good things about her. Right. Um, you know, and she's a she's a credit to her family. I mean, you know, the Reinertsen clan is a large clan, for those of you who are not aware. Uh, she's the oldest of eight children. Um, I've gotten to know her mom a little bit, who is a, a, a fantastic individual. Uh, her brother, thankfully, is committed to play basketball here next year, so the, hopefully that'll <laughs> add a little bit more Reinertsen flavor to the uh, basketball programs. But 
uh, Eva is one of those people that is, there's an instant, you take to her instantly. She's one of those people that you instantly like the minute that you speak with her for the first time. She's a very warm, caring person. So smart, though, and such a hard worker. I think the biggest thing about Eva is that she's the one of the hardest working athletes I've ever seen. You know, she maintains almost a 4.0. I think it is a 4.0, isn't it? Yeah, it's a 4.0. Yeah, it's a 4.0. Two-time Cosida, like you said, uh, um, honoree now. Um, couldn't be more deserving. I can't think of another athlete that would be more deserving of getting that honor than she is. So congratulations to her. Uh, Andrew Durham from the men's hockey team signs a pro contract and gets a a cup of coffee in the East Coast Hockey League, or the ECHL as they like to be called, before that season got <laughs> shut down. Yeah, and he's back in Texas now. He's back in Texas now. Um, you know, we touched briefly because it's his birthday today, Eric Watson. He, Joe Mooney, told me here earlier this week that he was over in the U.K. Okay. And uh, got himself a professional opportunity there before he got sent home. So oh, he's geez. looking for that season to eventually crank up again. Then he'll be heading back over so there to, back to hopefully now? play. Yeah, he's back over here as well. So there okay. there you go. You got Eva, who got her Academic All-American Award, Durham, and Watson, all three of which joined us on the show. There you go, people. Yeah, there you go. You know, you're welcome, everybody. <laughs> and then uh, the last thing to touch on would be Kaylee Martinson, who became a first team All American uh, this year after having yeah. a wonderful senior year for the women's hockey team. Not at all unexpected. No. Uh, she had a fantastic year. She scored 26 goals this year. I mean, that's a ton of goals. Uh, in 27 games. Yeah, in 27 games. And she had a bunch of assists in there, too. So, I mean, she was just automatic this year. Uh, she had a tremendous year. Uh, couldn't be happier for her either. I mean, she's been a four-year player, a four-year scorer for this program. I know that Coach Dan Laughlin's going to miss her a lot next year, as are her t- former now former teammates, unfortunately. Um, but, yeah, Kaylee had a fantastic year. I mean, there's no other way of saying it. Uh, best year I've seen from a women's hockey player since, well, boy, as far as you're, goal scoring. You're since, probably going back to Danny Schultz. Danny Schultz, yeah. She had that really good freshman year back in 2010. I was going to go, yeah, it was probably Danny before, Schultz. Before, before that, you were going Kegley. Kegley or Gina. Yeah, that one year. Yeah, she had that really good senior year. You know, but that was, you know, yeah, but 20 goal scorers are few and far between in college hockey. Yes, they are. And uh, both men and women. Yep. And the fact that she piled up 26 of them really speaks to her ability. I mean, and some of those goals were straight up individual efforts. Right. I mean, I saw at least, I can count three off the top of my head that I saw personally. Right. Where another player doesn't score that goal. Yeah. That's a Kaylee Martinson goal because that's how skilled she is. Right. And so congratulations to her, Kaylee, if you're listening, uh, and ho- hopefully you are. Hopefully you are. Yeah, uh, congratulations because you fully deserve it. What was the last live sporting event you watched, Matt? Live sporting event? Yep. <sighs> um, it's probably the UMAC title game. Okay. Probably the UMAC title game. Down so you're in, actually uh, in game. person. Yeah, I was there in person. Uh, okay. Last live game. Well, actually, I'll take that. Well, Last game I saw live in person, yeah, that was it. Okay. I did see a little bit of the uh, NBA game that night that was on ESPN when they okay. announced everything was being shut down. Gotcha. Um, but the only reason why I tuned it in is because it was under those circumstances. Right. And I watched probably five minutes. I think it was the Mavericks were playing somebody because Mark Cuban had that um, Mel Priceless reaction that it went viral Right. as it was happening. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that was a very surreal thing. I don't, where, what were you doing when you found out the news? I was uh, sitting in my chair okay. working on the laptop. I can't remember exactly what I was working on, but uh, sitting in the chair upstairs. Um, Teddy had just gone to bed, so I was pounding on a couple things to work for work before I decided to go to bed when, you know, it came scrolling across the screen that the NBA was suspending its season. It's, been a, it's been a tough year for that league, and yeah. I'm not an NBA guy, um, but first losing Kobe Bryant. Yep. And then, uh, you know, this happened what seems like a blink of an eye later. Yeah. It's been a rough year for the NBA folks. Right. Um, you know, I mean, going from losing one of their, you know, their true um, all-time greats to, you know, now not having a season period. Right. And then, uh, you know, having Rudy Gobert again be patient zero. I mean, he was really in sports vernacular. He would be considered patient zero for coronavirus. Yep. He was the first one. And uh, then Donovan Mitchell. He was asymptomatic, but did get diagnosed or did did, did contract coronavirus. Got it from the same team, and then from there on, I think every sport now just about has had at least one test positive. It's run rampant through the Premier League in the soccer league over sure. in, in um, England. Uh, the Premier League, I think, just about every team had somebody. Okay, that got it. Uh, I know the NHL's had a few guys that have gotten it. Yeah, it's been 
from what I've seen come out, and I haven't been following NHL stuff all that close, but like Ottawa, the Senators had, I think, three or four players okay. that were diagnosed. The Colorado Avalanche have had a couple. So there, there, there are some out there that we've that we've heard of, and now the NFL's also had a few guys that yep. have come down with it. Yeah, um, I think Major League Baseball. I don't know if I'm sure that there are some. I I haven't really kept up with what MLB has had, but right, um, they were the sport that everybody was kind of waiting to see what was going to happen because they were right in the uh, throes of uh, their spring training yeah schedule yep. when this went down. Um, they were two weeks know. away from first yeah. pitch. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the only league that really was not forced to really make a public statement was the NFL because they're in their offseason. Yep. Um, and now the question is where the NFL will get going. Yeah, because even they've had to make some adjustments on the fly for their draft, which is coming as we record this in two days. Right. You yeah. know, so they've had to make some adjustments there, and it's it's really going to be a, a period of adjustment across the board. Yeah. Yeah, and the problem is, of course, is that with these sports, especially things like, you know, where large gatherings take place. Yep. We were getting 20000 for NHL and, and NBA. You're getting sixty to 70000 for football. And if you're a NASCAR person, you're talking 100, 120,000 people right. watching a race. Those kind of things are really, really dangerous scenarios at this point in mm-hmm. terms of the spread. This is a hyper-contagious you know, virus. Um, you know, This isn't a contact spread. This can be spread through the air. Right. And that's a problem. Yep. You know, Those are always way more difficult. So, yeah, it's, it's completely changed the landscape. Um, and I don't know if we are ever going to go back to the way that things used to be unless we get a vaccine that we can rely on. Right. That's going to be the, the game changer. Yep. Um, you know, as we've unfortunately found out, testing for this virus right now is haphazard at best, depending on where you are and what state you live in and who your governor is and so on and so forth and what your state's readiness was for testing. But the bottom line is, is that this is going to touch everybody and it's getting sports is certainly not immune. And uh, yeah, adjustments are going to have to be made and, you know, we're just as uh, uncertain as everybody else. So, For the record, my last live sporting event I was watching was Australian Rules Football. Really? <laughs> I know you've become a kind of... Because a lot of things got shut down, but the, the AFL, as they call it down there, was still going on. Okay. And uh, I'm a fan of Hawthorne. I know. Uh, the Hawthorne yeah. Hawks, the, the scarf is hanging on the wall behind you. Right. Um, but I, we saw a match live when we were down in Australia a few years ago. And uh, they kind of became my team, and it's very rare to actually see it on TV up here. You'll get it on right. like on like the Ocho, basically, right? Is where it'll end up, but you don't you don't get it on TV. And when the sports landscape went dark in the United States, they picked that up. Well, they were on. It was early on a Saturday morning, and I was sitting there feeding the boy and watching watching a little bit of that. And it got to halftime, and they came on and announced that at the conclusion of this match, we are right. shutting down. And uh, so that was all I ever that I got to watch. So my last live one was Australian Rules Football. It's amazing the things though that they have tried to fill the programming with now. Um, right. Like the other day, I, I I think it was actually this past weekend. Um, I was on my computer and I got off of it because I'd answered a couple emails and I got off and I looked and the, the Tetris World Championships were on. And I, <laughs> I first of all I didn't realize that people still played Tetris. Number two, I didn't know there was a world championship for it. I loved Tetris when I was a kid. Oh, I, <laughs> what a great game! That that's that music is burned in my head. I was having this conversation last week actually with Ray Biggs, who is in the sports information department and the play-by-play voice of the men's hockey team at Utica, out okay. in New York. And uh, we were going back and forth about a couple of things, and we got to talking about video games because I said somewhere at my mom's house I think I can still find an Atari console. <laughs> and it, it kind of went off from there because he, he's, uh, he's a gamer and he's got a lot of vintage game consoles and everything. And we got to talking about the theme music from from Tetris. And uh, he brought up, you know, I, I like it. It's sort of hypnotic <laughs> and therapeutic. But yeah. the, the music from, from Base Bases Loaded, the old Nintendo baseball game, he goes, that's just a distraction. And I can still hear that in my head. So, right. yeah, yeah. We went off on a whole video game thing oh, there. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I like like I said, I had no idea that even Tetris... Because that kind of dates things a little bit when you remember Tetris like you and I do. Yeah. Because we grew up with Tetris. We're old. Yeah, exactly. You know, I'm, I'm now I'm waiting for Frogger, you know, nice. the, the World Championships for Frogger to come out. And, you know, Donkey Kong, is there a World Championship for Donkey Kong? There maybe? should be. Pac-Man. There you know? should be. Yeah. I mean, yeah. There definitely should be for Pac-Man. Give it time. I would have probably watched it for, for if it was Pac-Man. You know, give, give it time. I mean, if you if you can get... All these NASCAR drivers doing virtual races right. in their simulators. One of them got fired. In the their way. simulators, well, he shouldn't have said what he said. Yeah, exactly. but they've got their simulators in their houses, and they're all having these races and everything. 
you know, how far away are we from all that stuff? Yeah. I mean, that's just, <laughs> that's kind of crazy to me. And, uh, you know, I mean, we're living in this, we're literally living in a virtual world right now. You know, all work, you know, that we're doing is, is from our respective homes and, you know, we're living in a, a no physical space kind of situation here. And, uh, it's just, it's kind of bizarre. Like I said, uh, unfortunately for the NASCAR driver, he said something he shouldn't have and he got his, you know, sponsorship revoked and then they fired him. You know, Chip Ganassi. Yeah, he lost his ride. Yeah, lost his ride. Mm-hmm. Um, so, <laughs> but like you said, it, it kind of, we've gotten to a point where we're kind of living in a very kind of bottled up society right now, you know, and everyone wants to break out and all that kind of stuff, but they're really, with the amount of uncertainty there is, it's just like, yeah, you know, exactly. You know, now I know how the people felt when they were, you know, building those nuclear fallout shelters. Right. You know, in the 1960s when they were afraid that the Russians were coming, except there's no Russians coming this time. This time it's a virus. You can't even see it. You can't even see it. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, we're all kind of walking around and watching people interact during this has been really strange too. I don't know if, if like, if you've been to the grocery store and stuff, people are very like, (laughs) they're, they're trying to maintain their space, but they're also trying to not come off as antisocial. So it's very like. You, 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 if they have a mask on, you might get like the, the eye movement. Just yeah, so they exactly. acknowledge that you're there. But, but it's very tunnel vision. Yeah, like, it's it is. Very, it like, is. I'm, gonna get when I'm, I'm here to get what I'm getting, and, and I'm, I'm out getting out. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I, yeah, it I always shop is. that way anyway, but yeah, that's... Wow, and it's, it's it, a strange time. Though. It is. It yeah. is. So it's an interesting time, and uh, we're going to take a break, and we'll come back, and we'll have Nick Bursick with us to dive into this a little bit deeper and uh, find out what's going on in the UMAX standpoint and the NCA standpoint and all that stuff. We'll have that coming up in the next segment of the Eye of the Swarm right after this. Barker's Island Waterfront Grill for Thursday night barbecue. Try our award-winning ribs with your choice of potato and a salad bar. Thursday night barbecue is every Thursday from 4 to 9 p.m. only at Barker's Island Waterfront Grill. We're back on this week's edition of Eye of the Swarm, and we are joined by the Athletics Director at UW-Superior, Nick Bursick. And uh, first of all, before we dive into the business of the day, Nick, uh, a congratulations from us to you, the announcement coming out a few months back that uh, the Bursick family will be plus one here coming up. So congratulations to you and your wife as uh, you prepare to welcome child number one. Child number one, yeah, we're excited. We found out uh, it's probably been two weeks now uh, that it's baby boy, too, so... We're excited. The home projects, the chores list uh, got amplified a little bit as we prepare the nursery and some other projects around the house to get the house baby proof. But we're excited. I remember when we got the news because we I had the, the list of projects and it was you know, a rather leisurely pace as you're going through all those. And then it's like, oh, OK, now these have to happen right now. And my sister, I remember her saying to me, get your house the way you want it now because for the next 10 years you're not doing a thing and she's absolutely right so yes get the projects in but congratulations on a baby boy and we've got a lot of young boys coming up in the athletic department right now there are a lot of coaches and staff members who have young sons mm-hmm. hey it's one way to build a recruiting class right <laughs> but yeah no it, you, one of the things that i've been most impressed about in our department we talk about culture a lot but that even embeds into who we are as a staff and as colleagues and uh, our families are, are pretty important and you know there's a lot of sacrifices we make to do a weekend to spend time with our teams and our athletes um, but when we go to games like a basketball game or a hockey game or a volleyball match you often see the coaches there with their kids and you see multiple coaches, multiple families together, kids interacting. And, and that really speaks volumes to who we are as an athletics department, that culture and that family tie that we want to buy in. And uh, I know Cindy and I are excited to have our son be a part of that moving forward too. And I know Teddy's a big part of that. And when he comes to games, it's, you know, multiple people coming up to him, both student athletes, coaches, everything. So it'll be exciting. Yeah, it was one of the neat things, really, um, when I first started bringing him to games. 
It, number one, it, it's kind of cool because you know you have an endless supply of built-in babysitters. <laughs> Whether it's an athlete or a coach or, or even you b- bring them to the MWC and Donnie will be running up to you to take your, your child away from you so you can go work for an hour. I mean, it's it's really cool that way. But to see the interaction with the athletes, with the coaches, with your children, it, it's it really is a, a cool family environment that as the kids get older, are they're really going to benefit from that. And that's, it's a, it's a wonderful thing that we've been able to cultivate within the department because there are so many young kids, but let's step away from that. And uh, since we last had you on, which I want to say was probably in early February, uh, a thing or two may have happened. And um, we, we suddenly saw the sports season come to a very abrupt end and I know you were kind of on the front line with the administration going through all of that. When did it kind of slap you in the face that, you know what, this is, uh, this is a spring season that's not going to unfold the way we envisioned it? Yeah, it was tough. Um, you know, I think back, I, I was a part of the university's emergency response planning team, and, and we first started talking about um, how do we navigate this new reality. And at that time, the virus hadn't hit our region yet. Um, you know, it was still fairly Southern, um, had it even reached our state, but we were already having conversations of when it does get here, um, what is this going to mean for our campus? And athletics was a big part of that. Athletics is a big part of, uh, our institution and who we are and, you know, things that our students do, whether you're a student athlete or you go to games or you partake in, in some other activities. Um, so it was a tough road to navigate. It really was. Um, but I'm reminded, you know, and Chancellor Walker said it too, the safety of our students and our employees is our top priority. And we have to do everything we can to protect them. Um, so as the institution navigated that pathway, um, that was always the core principle that we held true to our decisions, where we have to make sure we put our students in a position to be successful and safe. Um, As we navigated the athletic realm, for us, we were trying to do it in a way where we would be as least disruptive as we could to our students. And initially going into it, um, you know, and talking with some UMAC peers and talking with some NCA peers, it kind of in the back of your mind always knew the worst case scenario was going to be the cancellation of spring sports. And I think as ADs, commissioners, NCA colleagues, we always tried to avoid getting to that reality. But I think in the back of our minds, we always knew it was potentially there. And as we navigated our process internally as an institution and as an athletics department, we're trying to be very protective of the student experience and what we could do to salvage uh, the experience, the spring season for our kids. Um, and unfortunately, we, we got to a reality that many, uh, if not every school is in now, of removing it online and uh, the cancellation of spring sports. But it was tough. You know, it really was. And I, I remember when I had the unfortunate pleasure of informing the softball team um, that, you know, the spring season was going to be canceled and cut short. And you see the emotions and the uh, disappointment come. Um, that's when it hits. You know, that's when you start to see how personal it is to our student athletes. And, uh, you know, my heart breaks for them. Uh, nobody would have imagined that's the way that this would have gone. And that's the ending that they would have had. You know, and it, it rings with me, obviously, because we, we get to see and the reaction of the athletes. Some of them work for us. But it, this isn't something just limited even to the college level. Fred Harbinson, who I played with here, who is coaching up in Penticton in the British Columbia Hockey League, had one of the best teams he's ever had. And that says something because he's had some great teams. And the hardest meeting he ever had to have was to walk in, in the middle of a playoff series and say, fellas, we're done. And I, I can't imagine having to be standing in those shoes, whether it was yours or Frank's or Glenn's or CJ's or, you know, whoever, and have to sit there and tell your athletes your season is over, particularly for those seniors. Mm-hmm. The one that, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And the one that I'm really devastated over, and I still haven't been able to wrap my mind around it, is uh, when Glenn and CJ were at the NCAA Indoor Championship. Now, this is the pinnacle 
of their season. This is the pinnacle of an athletic career. And for CJ, this is his senior year. This is his last opportunity. And they got into the tournament. They, they got there. They were practicing. They were leading everything up to uh, putting some safeguards in, but under still the premise that the championship was going to occur. And then it was abruptly ripped from them. And, you know, I, uh, that had to have been emotional, not only for Glenn, but for CJ and in knowing that that was the reality of a lost opportunity. You know, and he, he's going into that ranked fifth in the nation in the weight throw. So you're, you're looking at a guy who's definitely in the hunt for a national championship is most likely going to be an all American and essentially now is going to be an asterisk along with everybody else who, who was in that event. And, and he, his comment to me was, I, I didn't think anything. I sat on the edge of the bed when Glenn told me in the hotel, and it didn't actually hit me till the next day when I would have been competing. Mm-hmm. When my, my time to throw had come up, that was when it hit him. So I, you just your heart just aches for all these athletes who, who have that pulled away. I, I had said, I can remember vividly my last game and sitting in the locker room after getting knocked out of the NCHA playoffs by St. Norbert, bawling my eyes out, not wanting to take my jersey off because that was it. My, my career was done. And it, I at least got to have that, and I would take that over what CJ got, what like the Eau Claire men's hockey team got as they were in the middle of practice getting ready for their first NCAA tournament game, and they were told they were done. What, what all these teams got when it was just over. Just like that. Yeah. You know, the unfortunate reality is we're all told at some point that we're going to be done. We just all hope it's on our terms, right? You know, for me, I was the same boat. Once my playing career as a Yellow Jacket was done, I knew that that was going to be the last competitive baseball game I was ever going to play in. And yeah, you can play in pickup games, you can do some alumni games, but nothing is ever the same, right. you know, you don't have that type of camaraderie and your teammates, the, the workouts, the practices, the meetings, obviously the games, the travel, the hotel, you don't get that experience again when you're out of it. And we all hope that it can at least be on our terms and you can kind of internally prepare going into your senior year. Yeah, this is, this is going to be it. Let me sit back and enjoy it. But for, you know, for our senior student-athletes, and this is across the nation, they didn't get that. They just got it ripped from them and told, you're done. I've been listening to this now, you know, back and forth between you guys, trying to think about how I would approach it, being someone who specializes in communication, has a master's degree in communication, uh, started out as a sports writer, and I was a sports broadcaster, and somebody who really, really appreciates the English language, and I'm not sure that I can come up with words that, and I'm not sure there are words actually that even exist that can express the true nature and the emotion that is involved with this. I mean, you can say all the words, you can say, you know, it's disappointing, but I don't know if you can truly grasp it until you see it. It's one of those times where, you know, there's a saying about words failing. I think this is one of those cases where words fail because there was, there's no other way to go. Like you said, everybody knows, especially in college, that your career is going to come to an end at some point. I mean, even professional athletes know their, their career is going to come to an end at some point. It doesn't just go on infinitely forever. There's always a point that you know it's going to end. And you try to rationalize that in your head, and you realize it's going to happen. If you're a college athlete, it's probably going to be in a tournament situation or just whenever your regular season is over. And you know that going in. It doesn't have to be explained to you. You know it. You know, this is it. When you have to go in and actively tell somebody that they're done, that's different. And especially in a situation where it's not an injury, where you don't have a medical professional coming in and saying, well, you're done because you have a bad knee or you have a, you know, whatever. This is a case where it was taken away from you from something that was not intrinsic. It wasn't in front of you. You know, you didn't get beaten on the field. You didn't get injured. You know, you're not ineligible. There's something bigger that you can't see that's taken this away from you. There's no tangible connection Mm -hmm. to... This has been taken away from me. And I can completely understand where CJ is coming from on that because he has a coach that came in to tell him that it's done. That's it. We're getting you know back on the bus or the plane and coming back. And that's it. But it's not in front of you because you haven't competed. You haven't done anything. 
It's literally just someone came in, gave you the news that it's over, and then that's it. And that's really hard to grasp as you're, if you're an athlete. You want something tangible that ended your career. You know, like, John, you remember when your last game was because St. Norbert knocked you out of the tournament. But that was it. That was the, that was the, the dividing line. It wasn't on the field. You know, it wasn't just some administrator or somebody, the news came down from headquarters somewhere else where someone came in and said, oh, you guys get a chance to play tomorrow, but now, no, you're not playing anymore. Right. And that's really hard for athletes that are used to having tangible goals and tangible things in front of them to accept. And, you know, as a former athlete myself as well, I don't know if there's a way you can really do that. And I, you know, I'd be interested to hear from Glenn to hear how he approached that conversation with CJ because there's no way that you can, it feels like words are cheap at that point. You can say the words and try to convey the emotion, but I'm not sure it, that there's a possible way with the English language to get to that depth. And maybe there is in other languages, but, you know, as someone, like I said, who studied the English language, there are times where words fail, and I think this is one of those cases. Mm-hmm. So where does it go from here? I mean, the, there's, there's obviously been a lot of conversations being had, you know, if you want to look at it granularly within our department, at the conference level, at the NCAA level. Where does all of this go? Because uh, we could probably go a couple different ways with this. First, with the athletes who lost a season, did not lose a season of competition, with does this stretch into the fall? Does this stretch into the winter? What do sports look like when they come back? Where does all of this go? And I, I know that's a lot to unpack. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. And the big thing, for the most part, is it's all unknown. Is And a lot of it is beyond our control. I can say what we've, as a department, tried to focus in on over the past few weeks is our student-athletes have moved, for the most part, back home and are doing their online classes is we just got to be committed to supporting them from where they are. And, you know, for the most part, that's some virtual team meetings, getting them equipped with their workouts, which we've moved online as well, and uh, just giving them the most support and really trying to do everything we can to make sure that they're uh, in a good place to still achieve their academic goals this year and continue their training because we still are confident that there's going to be an opportunity for us eventually in the future. Now, when that opportunity occurs, how it looks, all of that, that's the big unknown. Um, I think we do know that the progress that we're seeing from an NCAA level, a UMAC level, is maybe by June, July, we'll start to have a firm understanding of what some of that could look like. We'll start to see some indicators on if we're moving seasons, if we're going to try and play as is, but we're going to put limitations, we're going to put some constraints in. I don't think we ever go back to our old reality. You know, I think we will learn and we will adapt and we'll have to implement some things. But I still think we can do it in a way that supports a really good student-athlete experience. Um, But things will look differently. And the timeline to get to a new normal, that's a big unknown. And I think that's probably, for me and I know for you and, and Matt and the rest of the coaches, I think that's the uncertainty that we're uncomfortable with. Because, you know, I, I know I have softball girls, I have so- or student athletes ask me of, well, we still get a move in the fall, right? Preseason for soccer starts the 17th and the 18th, and we're going through the motions as it's. And right now, is, I hope we are. Right. But I don't know. Yeah. If you had to guess, and I, I, I mean, I hate to throw that at you, cause but if, what does your gut tell you? Like, I've, I've been pretty vocal with people that my gut tells me I don't think fall sports are going to start when we, they normally would. And I think when we actually do get to the business of playing, we're going to be in empty buildings. And I was having this conversation with my wife this morning. I think all games next year will be played in empty buildings. I think it's going to be that way until there's a vaccine for this thing in place. Yeah, I, I, there's a ton of situations and scenarios we could walk through and, and try and project. I do think, you know, the ultimate solution, and I'm no health expert or public health um, that's not my background. Couldn't give advice on it, just not, not not my education level. But I do think you're absolutely right. The vaccine is the number one solution. To get back to a new normal or our old normal, yeah, a vaccine gets us there. 
but at least everything I understand, you know, we're months, if not years away from that truly being implemented and, and going. So then it's, well, what is our new normal in terms of the next few months and years? And I do think um, the NCA is committed to making sure sports can happen this year. You know, there's just too much at play in terms of revenue, institutional enrollment, all those other key factors that really go into NCA higher education. And um, the loss of fall sports, winter sports, spring sports again would be way too severe. And uh, there's a lot of institutions that couldn't survive that um, in terms of finances, enrollment, all of that. So I, th- I think from the NCA's perspective is they're going to do everything that they can to have a sports season in an athletic year. I think it does shift a little bit. I think there are going to be constraints and limitations put in place. A lot of it's going to be constrained by what local, federal, state governments do and what they allow. Um, If there's parameters on gathering sizes, you know, that's where we're going to find ourselves playing in empty buildings. We could even find ourselves with limitations of how many student athletes can be in the building at one time. You know, so for a soccer team, if it's no more than 25 people can be at a venue, you know, how do we run a game like that? You know, and do we have guys in one area waiting to go onto a field? There's so many unknowns that could be right. at play here. Um, I I think there's a firm commitment to making sure sports seasons happen. I just don't know if the timeline we're on nationally and globally is going to be conducive to a normal start. My my hunch is that football at the Division One level is kind of what's going to drive a big piece of this. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. And they've been pretty transparent about it too. When you look at the financials of D1 football, that's a driver that really helps fund the rest of those athletic department operations. Um, and it's even true amongst Division Two and Division Three in terms of when you look at the value athletics department often offer to institutions are enrollment and stable base of enrollment. And with football being such a large roster, but it even gets into other fall sports, soccer and volleyball and, and others, institutions can't afford to lose that enrollment either. So I think that's where you're going to see the NCA understanding the revenue, the enrollment is too critical. We need to make sure we offer sports. And I could see it shifting. I could see it being limited. I, worst case scenario, I think we're all loaded up in the spring and you know we're trying to run, for us, 19 sports all in a three, four-month window, which what that looks like, I don't know. It's going to be a ton. I'm having chest pains just thinking about <laughs> it. <laughs> we will try and navigate it as best we can to make sure we offer our kids a very good experience, but I don't know. But I do think you're right in terms of the NCA being aware of the realities and many of them are financial and many of them lead to division one football having a big influence over future decisions. Can you picture Michigan playing Ohio state in front of no fans or Texas playing Oklahoma or Duke playing North Carolina in an empty building? You know, I've only seen in my lifetime of watching college and professional sports. I've only seen a handful of games ever played in front of no fans. Um, in Europe, it happens in soccer. I want to say quite a bit because that's not true. But usually it's a penalty for racist abuse from fans or something like that. And they do play professional soccer games in Europe without fans every so often. Um, it has happened. I've only seen it happen once in the United States um, in my lifetime, and that was in the late 80s, early 90s. There was a measles outbreak on the East Coast in which they played, um, I can't remember what conference it was, but they played the entire tournament without fans um, because of the measles outbreak that had happened. It was in the Boston, New England area. Um, but that was in the 80s and 90s, and I can't, like late 80s, early 90s, and I can't recall any other time where they played in front of nobody. Um, you know, there's been some questions asked of athletes, how do you feel about playing in front of nobody? Um, at the really at the highest levels, I don't think it would be as big an adjustment for the players as it might otherwise be made out to be. I mean, not so much for the professionals anyway. Um, the college kids, especially in football, tend to feed off the crowd a little bit more. So I think that that might be 
you know, a little bit more of an adjustment for them. But yeah, it would be very strange to have that happen. Um, but like, you know, John, you were saying, and Nick, you were kind of alluding to, it's a d- distinct possibility. It's very much a possibility. I, I can't see any way that you can at this point, given what we know, and this is a brand new virus. I should qualify that. That's the problem that everyone's having here. This is literally a brand new strain of a virus that, that we've known about the coronavirus family, apparently, because I'm related to a couple of healthcare workers and I have another one that's married into the family that are on the front lines here. Coronavirus is the, the family of coronaviruses has been known about since the 70s. So it's not like it's a completely new family of virus, but this strain is completely new. No one has seen this. That's why they call it the novel coronavirus yep. because this is brand new. And therefore, when you have a brand new strain and you're just learning about it on the fly, yeah, it's really tough because you have no idea really what you're dealing with. I mean, the my mom, was, who is a retired nurse, was telling me that starting you know at the end of last year, this virus is probably going to be studied now for the next 100 years, much like they do with polio, like they do with other ones. And we're, when you think about that, before we really know everything about it, it'll probably take that long. When you think about that, the fact that we are, what, six, seven months into this, maybe, going all the way back to where it originated in, in China, we really don't know much. And that's the part that is getting everybody you know, hot under the collar and giving everybody. Because people aren't used to having patience. And with something like this, you're learning as you go. And when you're talking about health, that's scary stuff. So everybody's being really walking on eggshells here, and they, they need to. And so everybody needs to be really flexible. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be the biggest thing. Athletes, coaches, spectators, fans, the general public. Everybody needs to be really, really flexible and willing to roll with the flow and accept what the professionals are telling them. That's all you can do at this point until we figure out more how, like you said, a vaccine uh, the earliest that I've heard a vaccine could come would probably be 18 months, and that even, might even be pushing it a bit because usually a vaccine go, has to go through several cl- clinical trials before it's approved, so that's safe for the public. And I just can't see it happening, you know, any time between 18 to 24 months. I just I can't see it. So the question is, like you said, what do we do in between that time? Mm-hmm. Would we like to fast-track a vaccine? Yeah, but we got to get it right too, and there's only so fast you can do that. So... Yeah, I mean it's 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 a it's a big it's a big question mark, you know. That's what it is, and that's just that's just reality. I know you're still plenty busy with uh, everything that's going on, even though you're not on campus most of the time. So we'll cut it off here. We'll let you go, and uh, we'll probably have you back, maybe sometime over the summer when we know a little bit more about what's going on, and uh, we can explore start times to seasons and all that good stuff. But in in the meantime. Best to you and your wife and the the uh, newborn that is on the way. And yeah, congratulations. You know, and uh, thank you again for joining us. Thanks, guys. That's Yellow Jacket Athletics Director Nick Bursick. We'll take a break and come back with more of Eye of the Swarm right after this. Final segment of Eye of the Swarm, and I, I always enjoy when Nick comes on, Matt, because he he's a wealth of information. He, he, he really is, and, and in a situation like we're in right now, you know, he's, he's you use the phrase front line when talking about your relatives who are healthcare workers. He's kind of on the front line of all this with the NCAA and right, the, uh, the yeah. UMAC, too, so he's able to lend uh, quite a bit of insight into, into what we were trying to talk about here today. Right, yeah, and I... the. Again, we talked about in the first segment and with Nick. Um, the bottom line here, the big word and the big phrase is uncertainty. Those, that's, I mean, no one really knows. And that's the really hard part. There isn't a cutoff date here. You know, I mean, people have said Easter Sunday. Well, that didn't work out. And then they said May 1st. That probably isn't going to work out nationally anyway. Um, and there's just, because of the uncertainty regarding this particular virus, 
and the fact that this is a brand new infection right that we have not seen before yep you know we've known about the coronavirus as a planet and as healthcare workers have known about it since the 70s but this is a brand new strain literally brand new the covid-19 does not mean that it's the 19th iteration of this virus what this means is that that's the year it was discovered right and so this is literally we're less than a year into studying this virus and there are virologists who are going to and epidemiologists who are going to study this virus now for the next hundred years. Right. And we are literally on the front lines of that, you know, study. We're literally living the first stages of that study right now. And because of that, there's just a lot of uncertainty and nobody knows where we're going to go. Right. That's it. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's as simple as that. And sometimes words fail. We talked about that in this podcast, but sometimes you can sum it up exactly how it is. And that's exactly where it is. Where right. We are. Yeah. No, you're you're exactly right. It's a fascinating time. Yeah, it's a fascinating time. I imagine the uh, the people who are sociologists right now are going, "Wow, this is kind of interesting to see how everybody's handling all of this." Right. Yeah, <laughs> this is a case. This is a case study, big time. You know, epidemiologists, virologists, sociologists. I mean, they're all. You can bet that their brains are working overtime right now. Yep. Because we are living right now, literally through a kind of a, a big experiment really and it's scary because we don't know what the outcome is going to be right you you also mentioned too during the break man i think it was we, we started talking a little bit about corporate partnerships and everything that we have at uw superior and within the athletics department and you know I, i've i've reached out to a lot of those different people that own those businesses you know you're, you're seeing a lot of things on the news about small businesses and employees being furloughed employees being laid off and businesses closing because there, there's no money. There's nothing coming in. Well, and and the PPE, PPP is out of money. Already. Right, yeah. And, you know, and that, that lasted a couple of weeks, and that was all yeah. gone. And there, you know, So it's a, it's a good time for us to also mention that we, we do have some wonderful corporate partners within our athletics department that allow us to do a lot of the things that we do, including what you and I do, putting the games on the radio and right, or yeah. with, uh, games on iFan and uh, the, even this, pro, this podcast for, for the most part. So it's, it's a good time to actually say a lot of these places are still open. You know, whether it's, a, you know, a Grizzlies, yep. a Seven West, Wide World of Wings, these places are open. They're, they're doing the, uh, the curbside takeout or, a, you know, a drive through window or whatever their process is within their facility. But they're open. They've got limited menu items, you know. And, uh, you know, in the case of like Grizzlies, they're selling hand sanitizer in addition to their, their food menu. Right. Anything they can do to try to help people to try to uh, keep their lights on. To right. try to keep you know the the money flowing to their workers, so it's uh, not saying that every single day you need to eat out, right? But uh, don't be afraid to to place a takeout over some of these these local businesses too, because they they absolutely do need it. I've been trying to do that over in Duluth quite a bit. I've eaten a lot of takeout more than I usually do, um, just because of that. I mean, it's expensive, and we all know that. Um, but everybody from the people who are making the food to the people uh, who are delivering the food are taking a risk. Right. And they're all doing it because they need the money and because they're trying to help their communities. Yep. And it's important to remember that. So make sure you tip your drivers if you're getting takeout, please. You know, whether it's a Domino's driver or Food Dudes or DoorDash or Grubhub or whoever it is. You know, whoever it is that you're getting your, your food from, please make sure that you treat them generously because they're putting themselves on the line um, to make sure that everybody has enough food and that everybody is still, you know... Um, kind of supporting the local businesses. So the more you can give, the better. Obviously, I'm not going to try to plug too much into that, but, um, boy, like you said, the, the local businesses need it, um, you know. And, uh, you know, I, with that having been the case, you know, I feel like we should also mention the fact that we are also, me and John and Paul Danberg and everybody else over at iFan, including uh, Craig Morrissey, the owner there, uh, we're all making plans also for next year. Uh, just rest assured, I know I talked about this on Facebook the other day, but I want to reiterate it here. Um, we are making plans for broadcasting games next year. Yep. Um, so we are uh, considering all circumstances, and we're working hard to make sure that our partnerships with iFan and, and us over at uh, KUWS make sure that we get as many games on the air as possible for next year because uh, um, we know that it, there's going to be a transition here. Right. Uh, and I just want to make sure everybody is aware of that because I know there's some question as to whether the, you know we're going to be on the air or how much we're going to be on the air. Yes. Uh, rest assured, we're making plans for it. So. Yeah, we, we, we talked about it briefly with Nick, you know, because we're still not sure what this is going to look like. Right. Yeah. When, when all this comes back, we don't know for certain, 
but we do know that when sports do come back, we are going to be there. Yep. And we are going to cover this because we are we are fully cognizant of it. I, I said it in the last segment, Matt. My gut tells me all of 2020, right. 2021, that season, there are not going to be fans in those buildings. Yeah. I, 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 that's what my gut tells me. I'm not basing that on any scientific evidence or anything like that. That's what my gut tells me. I have a hard time not agreeing with you there. Yeah. yeah. So with that being said, we suddenly become that much more important because we are the... We are how people are going to be able to watch these these right. student athletes compete. Knowing that we're we're making our plans now, we are working on everything now to make sure that yeah, when they do come back, we are there and we're giving people a great product. We're excited about that. Exactly. Uh, you know, we've had conversations. You and I have had conversations. Uh, Paul Danberg, Craig Morrissey, everybody over at IFAN. Uh, we're all working together. Nick Bursick as well, obviously our athletic director. Uh, we're all working hard behind the scenes, and we know that uh, you, people are not getting. You know the first-hand information necessarily because we haven't uh, announced what exactly what we're going to do, but rest assured we are covering all of our bases. We are considering all possibilities, and we will make sure that uh, whenever sports return, we will be there. So, just take uh, take some solace in that that we will be bringing you Yellow Jacket Sports whenever they return. We also will be bringing Eye of the Swarm podcasts. Uh, when the next one will be, not sure. Yep. Um, you know, we may we we won't be weekly we know that much but now that we have the remote capabilities i think we'll try to slide into maybe every couple of weeks to yeah. get on and throw something together maybe try to grab a, a coach or or something and get them in here and and just have a a little bit of a sports round table you know yeah. it, it doesn't have to be the full blown podcast like we've been doing but we want to make sure we're still getting information out to people and having those conversations cuz it's a it's a nice diversion. Yeah, I think everybody will welcome this podcast returning as well. Um, you know, it's it's been a rough time and I think the more that we can do as much as we can do, we should do it. You know, to make sure that people have some sense of normalcy and uh, for our loyal listeners cuz we know we've got quite a few of them. Um, we know we appreciate you and uh, we will try our best to make sure we bring you as many podcasts as possible between now and whenever we return to the actual playing field. Our engineer is Elliot Sweary. He's the big sound, Matt Johnson. I am John Garver, and we thank you very much for tuning in to this episode of Via the Swarm. Yes.